Psalms 111. We'll start in the old and let the Lord lead us into the new. Because in the old is where all the treasure is hidden. And in the new is where it is revealed in the person and the work of Christ at Calvary. Now, I'm not going to go through a lot in this 111th chapter, but I do want to read verse 5. Psalms 111, verse 5. Everybody ready? He gives meat unto them. Everybody say them. Them. That fear him. Nobody else. There's There's a similar... A similar scripture to this, if you're taking notes, we won't go there right now, but there's a similar scripture to this that'll help you understand the next time you have a question, well, why did, why is the Lord showing me the picture of Calvary's cross? Why is the Lord, how did the Lord show this great revelation to me like he did to Paul and now us through what he gave Paul to write to us? Why am I seeing this, but the people I'm trying to tell about it in my family, they're not interested. Now, they're in church every week, but they're not interested. The people I work with, they don't mind talking about spiritual things, but when I start talking about the cross, they're not seeing that. Why is that? Now, I'm going to help you with that today. And I pray the Lord put it in your heart. It's it's uh and again you can write this down and look at it later. It's Psalms 25:14. And it says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Them that fear him. And he shows them his covenant. You see that you can be very spiritual person in your own mental activities but not be seeing the covenant. Only those that fear the Lord is he going to show his covenant to. When you were born again you were fearing the Lord because you heard your condition in your lost state and what God was offering you and you feared him and he showed you that covenant. It's the same thing for a Christian. If you don't continue to fear, meaning to value the Lord properly, meaning by continuing to look at what he did in his son for you at Calvary, he can't show you the covenant. The requirement to see the covenant is to fear the Lord. That means to value him more than you value your own self. Because self has to be denied. Amen? Amen? But this particular scripture here says he has given meat unto them that fear him. And by the way, if you do a a word study on the fear of the Lord, you'll see that's where all the benefits really come rushing in. And you'll also see how it's tied to Calvary. The Bible says in places like Proverbs uh, 14, 26, and 27, that the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. Well, who has a strong confidence? Only those who 
come to, to the Lord's throne by way of the blood. And it also says there in verse 27 of Proverbs 14 that the fear of the Lord is what delivered us. It's, it's what gave us a strong refuge and delivered us from the snare of death. What is it that delivered you from the snare of death? The cross of Christ. So the fear of the Lord is tied to the covenant. Or it's not true fear of the Lord. So in this, in this Bible verse, God tells us this morning, sitting here in this little room today, that he's given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever, and that means forever, be mindful of his covenant. Where is God's mind? On his covenant. How often is it on the covenant? His mind is forever on the covenant. Now, God, he can think about everything all at one time, and he does. His thoughts are not like ours. When God has a thought, it's already a done deal. You know God can't have a new thought? You know God cannot have a new thought? Because if God has a new thought, that means right before he had that new thought, there was something he didn't know. That's not the God we serve. Our God knows everything about everything. He knows what you're thinking, and he knows why you're thinking it, even when we don't sometimes. So God's mind is ever on his covenant. Before the foundation of the world, before there was a ball of dirt, before there was a man created out of the dirt, there was a lamb slain in the mind of God. Mind. See, God's, God's, everything is already done deal. Even a trillion light years from now, it's already done to God because a thought to God is a done deal. Now, we can get together. We can have a meeting for two hours and talk about what we're going to do. And then two hours later, talk about, well, that ain't going to work. But God can't do that. God's thoughts are God's works. And they're finished before the foundation of the world, our Bibles tell us. So where is God's mind forever? Before the foundation of the world, the lamb was already slain. And at the end, when Jesus, who is the lamb, comes riding on the white horse with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name's the word of God, when the dust settles at the end of all of that greatest destruction there's ever been, the view will be of the lamb. It began before the foundation of the world, forever in the forever past with the lamb, and it will be forever in the future. Everything that God does among men will forever be about and because of the Lamb. Amen. Yeah. Heaven, the praises in heaven are worthy is the Lamb yeah. who was slain yeah. to receive. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Who was slain to receive. 
riches and glory and honor and power. He didn't just receive them. He was slain. Revelation 5, 12. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive. Riches and glory and honor and everything else there that he has to be able to distribute it to you, your heart's trust must remain in what God's mind is forever on. Amen. And that's the death of his son. The death of his son. You see, at the cross, and I love this, I probably said it here last year, but at the cross is where Jesus literally became the beginning. Now, first, he became the end of everything he once began. Jesus, at the cross, in his death, became the end of everything that he once began. The cross is where the old creation got put away and the new creation began. Jesus in his death became the very ending that he claims he is in the book of Revelation. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. And in his death, he became the end of everything he once began and he became the new and eternal beginning of all that God will ever be and do among men. There is an old creation that was put to death at Calvary and a new creation that began in Christ Jesus. And we've not seen the fullness of that yet, but there will come a day when nothing of the old creation exists anymore. There will be a new heavens, a new earth, nothing on it but the new creation of people. Nothing of the old will be there. Everything of the old will have uh, been, been gone and anything that tried to demand that they hang on to the old will have its existence in a place where there's unspeakable torment. But your place, my place, is in Christ Jesus. That's where God's mind is. In Christ Jesus. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, God was reaching through him to offer you life. And when you believed it, the Bible says in Romans 6 and 3 that God pulled you into Christ. He baptized you into the death of Jesus. That's where you became one with Christ in his death. Everybody knows that, right? You didn't, you didn't become one with Christ because you ate a wafer or you took communion or you were baptized in a tank of water or somebody sprinkled water on you or somebody went to moving hands all over themselves in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There ain't nobody going to heaven that doesn't from the heart trust in Jesus Amen. and what he did as a man on the cross by dying. Yes. Nobody's going to heaven outside of that. Everything else is trying to work your way there by what you do. The cross is the only thing that God has offered you, his son dying there, so you could come to him and be saved. And you can't trust in Jesus and what he did at the cross and something else because the and something else eliminates you from receiving what Jesus died for you to have. Amen. Amen. That's all scriptural. That's all scriptural. So I want to start here in this second session 
The Lord is ever mindful. That means forever mindful of his covenant. If you want to know what God's thinking about you, all you have to do is get in the word and let the Holy Spirit point you to Calvary. That's where you'll see how much God loves you. That It ain't about no feeling. Well, everything worked out today for me. You know, well, not well, good for you. But if you want to know where God loved you, and John 3.16 says, for God so loved, that's past tense. That don't mean he don't love you now, but that means there was something that happened that God loved you in that place and offered to you his love in that place. He's not offering anybody his love outside of the cross. Everything else is just feelings and emotions. So in this second session, number one, God's mind is on the covenant. Number two, he's commanded that your mind always be on the covenant. That is in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 15. Everybody say, I love, I love Jesus. Jesus. Everybody say, I love, I love Jesus. I'm giving everybody a chance to say they love Jesus this morning. You can't say you love Jesus. That's because you love yourself too much. Come on, somebody. I love Jesus. Glory be to God. We all love Jesus. Amen. But sometimes, probably more often than we won't admit, we love ourselves a little more than Jesus. Amen. That's true. And that's when we get ourselves in trouble. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 15. Here's the word of God to those of you who can believe it and receive it today. Be ye mindful always. Somebody say always. Always, always means always. You got preachers today that say, well, yeah, I see this, but. Watch that. Run from that. Run from it. When they say, yeah, I know about the cross, but. Run from it. Run from it. I've been preaching this message, teaching this message now. This August will be 19 years. And I'm telling you, the more you study the Word, the more you'll see this great focus of God and what He commands you to make your great focus and your only focus in spiritual matters. Be ye mindful always of His covenant. Everybody see that? What are you to always be mindful of? His covenant. Look at the rest of this verse. Everybody say, the word. The word. His covenant, the word, which he commanded to a thousand generations. Here it is again. The word in its covenant context is what he's commanded your mind to be on. Just like Moses in, in, in the wilderness reads the law. People says, we can do it. We'll do everything the Lord said. We'll be obedient. And Moses said, after he sprinkled the blood on the people, because that's the only way God going to accept you. He ain't accepting you telling him that you'll do it. I need to say that again, don't I? God's not accepting me Say, I'm going to do it right this time. God, God ain't listening to none of that. The only thing God hears you saying to him it's when your heart's believing in the sacrifice. God sees that. I'm agreeing with you now, God. My mind is what your mind is on now, God. 
Look, be ye mindful always of his covenant. Now, Jesus said the covenant, the new covenant, is in his blood. Be ye always mindful of his covenant, the word. You see, there ain't no word outside the covenant. All God's words are based on the covenant. We want to, well, preacher, just talk to me about prayer for six months. Then talk to me about faith for six months. And we'll get back to the cross. No! We're going to talk about faith in light of the Lamb. We're going to talk about repentance in light of the Lamb. We're going to talk about your marriage according to the Word in the light of the Lamb. The Bible says, Thy Word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But the Bible also says that the Lamb is the light. Amen. The Lamb. Yes. If the Lamb is not what's lighting up the Word... You just using the word to try to go and make stuff happen. Yeah. Amen. God ain't about us and our favorite scriptures. Yeah. God's about us hearing from him, guiding us into a deeper relationship with his son. Amen. So look at this, and I hope you're writing these things down. You, these, these aren't something that you can just push to the side and say, well, everything's working all right for me without this. I promise you it ain't. Amen. I promise you, it ain't. Deception means I don't know that I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, nobody deceived knows they deceive. And the only thing that breaks deception is the power of God. And the power of God is the preaching of the cross. When you look to Calvary, deception begins to fade away. And the light of the Lamb begins to shine brighter. Hallelujah. Be ye always mindful of his covenant. There's never a time that you shouldn't be thinking about what Jesus did for you at Calvary. Why? But number one, God's commanded you. Number two, that's where God's mind is. If you're going to sit at the table of the Lord with the Lord, you want to be in the same conversation he's having. Hallelujah. Hmm. Well, I'm preaching better than your amen and glory be to God. Be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. The word he's commanded to every generation is the word of the covenant. That's where he's always mindful. That's where he's commanded us to always be mindful. Do you get that? Well, you know, and I've heard preachers tell me, even some that think they were uh, used of God, and some of them have been to bring this message back into the church. But I've been told by some of them, I've, I have been told by some of them, we just need to let prayer be about prayer. Don't try to make it about the cross. If you're teaching and preaching on prayer, and it ain't tied to the focus of the Lamb, and you're not seeing it through the lens of Calvary, my friend, your prayer life ain't what you think it is. Amen. Amen. That's why the church, we, we don't have a problem, do we, saying the church is in a mess, but when we hear God's only answer, we run from it. 
And we stay a part of the problem in our whole lives. We tell everybody everywhere we go, the church is in a bigger mess and it's always been. We're divided more than we ever are. And when we hear the preacher of the cross comes, a church raised up to focus on the lamb, and people say, they're dividing everybody. The cross is what brought us all together in the first place. And when we look away from it, that's what... That's where we start dividing. If everybody just keeps gazing upon the Lamb of God and Him dying for us and us dying with Him and being buried and gotten rid of and a new creation in Him rising and our focus is the Lamb and praise be to the Lamb, we're not going to worry about who's filled with the Holy Ghost and who ain't. It's just keep preaching the cross. We can all be filled. And when people decide they don't want to, well, so but we can all just keep glorying in the Lamb. Amen. The cross is what brings us together. And when we begin to look away from it, we begin to separate from each other. That's why the church is in trouble. And they beg God for revival, but they refuse the message. The only message that will bring revival. There is no revival without the preaching of the cross. Where they're calling things revival that's not the focus of the cross is only a revival of the sin nature. So look at this before we move on. Now, I'm telling you, it's about to get hot up in here. Be ye mindful always of his covenant. Jesus said that's in the blood. The word, it's the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. There is no word outside of covenant word. Where we've missed it is we, we want to get up and just preach the benefits of the covenant. Well, that ain't preaching the covenant. The covenant's the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, we've seen something this morning. Now, God's mind is forever on the covenant. He's commanded us to forever be mindful of the covenant. Now, I want you to turn, and this is where we've been for quite some weeks now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is where you'll have to say, yes, Lord, or or whatever else, and the other won't be good. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. Everybody say, I love, I love the Word of God. Second Corinthians 4 and 11 says, For we which live, stop right there, are you a Christian? That means you're alive in Christ. We, we which live, that's Christians. We which live are always delivered unto death. How often? How often? There's never a time that your God, the Holy Spirit, is not delivering you unto death. Never. You know what that means? That means that what the Lord spoke to a man named Jimmy Swaggart back in the 90s, and he told him in his deep, dark desperation that God found him in, the answer for which you seek is found in the cross. The answer for which you seek is only, it's found only in the cross. Here's the revelation of that great truth. 
For we which live, that's Christians, and everybody else is dead in their sin. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why Why is my being delivered to the cross always for Jesus' sake? So that what he did there won't be in vain. Watch, he goes on to say, so that the life also of Jesus might be manifest, made manifest in our mortal flesh. Now there is a there's a truckload of meat here, saints. Amen. For we which live, that's us, this is not just Paul, this is not just Paul and his group of ministerial alliance he had, this is us today. We which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. That means we can't express the life of Jesus unless we're experiencing the death of Jesus. Now, I know it got quiet in here for a good reason, because you're taking it in. There is no no expression of Christ unless it's coming from a heart-yielded To the death of Christ. No life of Christ can be experienced except out of that death that God is working in you. We've been taught all our life in churches. Now, I'm not condemning anybody. It's not my place to to condemn. But it is my place to judge. Righteous judgment, just like it is yours. We've been taught all our lives that God is working peace in us. He's working joy in us. He's working patience in us. That's not what the Bible said. Look at verse 12. So then here is where God tells you what he's working in you so that you can express his son. So then death works in us. Wow. Wow. Unless death, the death of Jesus, and the truth of your death with him is what God's working in you, that's not God. Right here. Everybody say, I love the word of God. So then death works in us, and again... A lot of people will say, this is just talking about Paul. This is just talking about persecution. No, no, no. This is talking about what God's working in us so that the life of Jesus can be expressed through us to others. That doesn't happen just because I go to church, just because I carry a Bible to work. That happens when my faith is in Jesus' death. Because that is where your Bible tells you that your God is delivering you to always. How often do you want to express Christ? Well, always. Well, then that's why God always delivers you unto death. You see how powerful this is? You see how real this is? 
Look at this. You'll go home and you'll look at this some more. And the Holy Spirit will keep pouring this truth in you. Listen, God's not working faith and joy and peace and long-suffering into you. He's working death in you because out of the death of Jesus and your death with him come the love, the joy, the peace, the, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the meekness, the temperance, the faith, everything the Holy Spirit can work, which is always an expression of Jesus. Jesus, if it's him working, not an expression of your church or your preacher, it's an expression of Christ because you've accepted what God is working in you is death. Because, you know, when, when you get to be older, and I've heard so many people who are, man, they, 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 they're way on up there in age, and they say, when you get to be my age, son, you will not have any patience. That's a testimony against their own selves. And again, if you're listening to me now, or you're here and that you think, well, he's talking about me. Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people who don't know what God is working in them. So they end up with a testimony like that. When you get to be my age, son, you're not going to have any patience. That tells me they don't know what God is working and, what, and, and where it is he's working it. But the moment you get a hold of this, you accept this. That because God's not going to do something that you say no to. If that was the case, Jesus would have just opened the door and went on into the church of Laodicea. But how many of you know there wasn't a doorknob on the outside of that door? He having to knock for them to open the door. Amen. Messages like this are just like the ones in the book of Revelation. You know, God's not offering anything except the overcomers. The promises in Revelation to the seven churches are to the overcomers. Well, who is that? That means when he revealed where they were in their predicament, their situation, he's offering them an opportunity to once again come back over, to come over to where he works, which is his son's death in them. See, this is the power and the wisdom of the cross. Preaching of the cross, the preaching of Christ and him crucified, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 1 and 23, is the power and the wisdom of God. Today, men's wisdom said, I know that cross, man, no, 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 I know about the cross, but that's man's wisdom. This right here is God's wisdom. God's wisdom is I'll save you through something that looks like there is absolutely nothing going on that's of me. That whatever power Jesus had before, whatever that power, he don't have none of it no more. And in all reality, it was the greatest manifestation of the power of God that man will ever know was on that cross in that lamb. That's the real power of God and the true wisdom of God. And everybody outside of that is people trying to walk in their own psychological wisdom and it can't do anything but fail. Doesn't matter how spiritual it looks and how many candles are lit and how well his robe and his banner and his hat and all these things that men want to dress up to try to turn the lights down low and play a certain music in the background to stir your emotions. God reaches you through the truth and the truth alone is his son and what he did at Calvary. Amen. 
The Bible here tells us that we are always delivered. When God saved you, it was because he was delivering you unto the death of his son. That's where you started, and that's where you'll end if you stay with him, walking with your faith in where he always delivers you. This particular portion of Scripture has been very special to me over the last, I don't know, few months, and really the last few months, and it's growing with intensity in my heart because these Scriptures right here will explain to you how it is, why it is that God has to deliver you always unto death because it's the only place you can love people like he loves you. It's the only place that you can be found walking like you began in the Spirit, walking now in the Spirit, as we read this morning. You can't walk in the Spirit if you're not accepting where He's delivering you always unto. And Christians who don't know this, they're not experienced. Because you don't just experience the things in the Word just happen chance. You have to know the truth and walk in the truth. Amen? That's why God plants churches like Determined Church here so people can hear the truth. He's reaching. I want you to know the rapture can take place at any moment. Amen. I mean, I'm expecting it at any moment. We're right here at the end of the sixth day. We're right here at the end of what the Lord calls the last days, and we're on the threshold of what the Lord calls the day of the Lord, which is the last 1,000-year period. We are there. It is about to happen. We are about to leave this place. And there's a lot of people who are going to heaven, but everything they thought they were working, everything they thought they were doing for God is going to burn up. That's right. The fire, the Bible says the fire is going to burn up everything that wasn't built on that foundation. And it's going to burn up. And the Bible says that we're going to be saved by that same fire that burns up everything that wasn't of God. That's why there's a cry now from those who God is raising up to get everybody back to the focus of the cross, the Lamb of God. Because it's not so much that, that we're going to lose our salvation, although the possibility is there too. But the main reason for the church is so that we'll have we can literally lay up treasures for ourselves. We we can have rewards. He's coming to reward every man according to their works. He, he didn't save you according to your works, but he's called you unto good works. Ephesians two ten to what he's ordained that you walk in them. But you can't do it. You can't do it. Unless you've accepted where God's always delivering you, which is unto death. Most Christians today are trusting in what they say. They're trusting in what they do. They're trusting in how much money they're giving. We tell on ourselves. A lot of times we say, God, why is this happening to my finances? I've given you, I've given tithes for years. And if you listen closely, you'll hear your Lord say, so you've been trusting in your giving. You think what I've been doing for you is based on your giving. No, everything I've done for you, son, is based on my giving of Amen. my son to yes. you. Not on our doing. It's good that we can be in a church and give and sing and praise God and be faithful to a ministry that's preaching the message. But listen. It's not all about that. Your faith, my faith, can easily be moved into what I'm doing instead of what Jesus did. You can never leave that place. 
You can never leave that place. So we're getting close to having to quit here in a few minutes. Not really have to, but probably will. But let's read this again. This is so powerful. And if you want to know this truth, the Holy, I can't teach it to you. I can just read it to you out of the Bible and preach and teach with the gift that I've been given. But I can't give it to you. I can't cut you open and put it in you. And so yeah, the Holy Spirit has to put it in But he's got to find a hungry heart for truth. He's got to find a heart that wants to know truth, that wants to know him. Not just him. I told our folks the other night, everybody's sitting around just wanting to be closer to the Lord. You can forget it without truth. Everything else is just emotional feelings and a bunch of hype. You can forget it without truth. Many of you know Jeremiah said uh, in Jeremiah 31 and 3 that thy loving kindness, O God, or God speaking through Jeremiah said, with my loving kindness have I drawn you. The loving kindness of God is drawing every human being who's ever lived. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw how many? All men, there is a draw out there on the world right now because of God's loving kindness to the world. It's offered and it is drawing, but Ephesians 2 and 13 says it's the blood that brings us near. Everybody's being drawn by the loving kindness of God, but it's the blood that brings us near. Nothing else. Everything else is feelings and emotions. Hyper-emotionalism has taken over Pentecostal churches. I've preached in churches this great message of power and wisdom, and they sat and looked at me. In Pentecostal churches, they've sat and looked at me. Just looked at me. People come in behind me in the same church and get up and do all kind of hoopla and play this and jump, shout, put on a good show. And they ain't preaching the message of the cross. And everybody's out there just, just, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, can't get enough of this. Didn't want nothing to do with the cross. That's church today. That's a church today. You don't think it's a church today? You better know it is. Same thing happened in Israel. God says, that's the land I'm giving you right there. Send a man from each 12 tribes in there to look at what I'm giving you. They all 12 go in there and they come back, wasn't it, after like 40 days? And 10 of the 12 said, forget it. (coughs) We can't do it. God called that an evil report. I said 10 of the 12. How do you think Joshua, and I will say this to you, how do you think Joshua and Caleb felt? Same way we do. Yeah. Where's all, where is everybody? Why, why not they're running to this great truth where God can be God and give us the benefits through this way that he's provided? Why aren't people all on board and excited about what God's mind is forever on and what he's commanded our mind to be on? Why ain't people all excited about this? We can have the things of God. He'll give us everywhere that our foot treads. And they're like, man, get out of here with all that cross stuff. Yeah. That's an evil report. Right. They're doing despite to the spirit of grace. Mm. I get excited when I preach this message. If you can't, then you ain't really preaching it. This message right here, this is where God's located. Where his mind is always on the covenant. Where he's commanded your mind to always be on the covenant. That's what it means. But God will give the man perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Not just floating around. Yeah, my, I got my mind stayed on Jesus. We sang the song this morning. Hallelujah, church. I got my mind stayed on Jesus. Hey, all right, you sang the song. But your mind ain't at the cross. You ain't got your mind right. stayed on the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
Mm. Okay. Everybody okay? Yeah. Mm. Watch now. I'm glad to be in a cross preaching church this morning. Yeah. Hallelujah. There ain't no struggles for me to deliver this in this house. That's right. It's in places you preach this where there's rocks coming at you in the spirit. Can't nobody see, but you see them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been there a few times. I remember one time I was preaching in this church on a Sunday night. They invited me to come preach. I wore my Crocs over there. You know Crocs? And I, you know, I just try to be comfortable. I got up there and started preaching this message, and I could tell they wasn't too interested in it. So I just peeled them Crocs off and said, I'm going to get real comfortable now. We when, when there's people that don't want to hear this, we just going to bear on in and keep preaching it. That's right. Because God ain't offering nothing else. Amen. I said he's not offering something else. When right. the people get tired of hearing this, only the hireling would start following the sheep. And when the preacher starts following the sheep, he gets what the shepherd gets on his feet from following the herd of sheep. Hmm. Amen. Watch this now. Let's read this again. I got six minutes. I'm quitting at 12. Verse 11. For we which live, everybody say, that's me. Are always, everybody say always, always. Delivered unto death. There you go. That's good. Delivered unto death. God ain't delivering you nowhere except unto the death of Jesus. You know why? Because that's where you'll get delivered from whatever it is you need to do. Amen. This right here, all the other benefits in the word you see is why God delivers you unto death always. And I asked I asked somebody one time who wanted to know, what are you all of a sudden now talking about all this moment by moment stuff for? I said, well, how often do you want to live for the Lord? Let's, let's take a break here. Not, I don't mean a real break. Let's go back to Job 7 and 18. Just to verify, Job 7 and 18. Let's start with verse 17. Seems like we back up a lot, don't it? It's all good. Job 7, 17. What is man? Job 7, 17. What is man that you should magnify him and that you should set your heart upon him? Now watch verse 18. And that you should visit him every morning and try him. How often? How often is your God trying you? You, you? you mean to tell me God's trying you right now? Because right now is a moment. What's he trying? Here, here's, what, here's what we've done. Well, God will never leave me or forsake me. Hallelujah. That's right, he won't. But what's he doing while he's there? If he ain't going nowhere and he can't fail you, what's he doing? What's he doing? If God's there with you now, and he is if you're saved, what's he doing? He's trying you. What's he trying? What is it that he's trying you about? He's trying to see if you will every moment except where he's delivering you unto. Death. 
that's what will keep you from snapping at people. Because you only do that when you're rejecting, even if it's something you're not doing mentally, but you're not accepting because you have to be focused on what God's doing to be involved with what God's doing. You had to be focused on the truth of the gospel to be saved by the truth of the gospel. Amen. It's, 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 it's what will keep you from knocking holes in the sheetrock, mister, because she ain't doing what you want her to do. It's what will keep you from going to the back of the house, honey, and shutting the door in and acting all sold up because you ain't getting your way. Somebody said amen or oh me. <laughs> when, when something's going on in your life, oh no, what am I going to do? I'm going to look to where God's delivering me to the sacrifice of Christ because there is my hiding place from who? Not them, from me. You're the problem. I was talking to a guy in a nursing home. A young guy. He's younger than me now. That's young. And he, what y'all laughing at back then? He is. A, he's probably in his 40s. He's in the nursing home. For, he's blind other other reasons. And, and he's causing problems in there and blaming people. And I said, look, brother. He called me to come talk to him. I did. I said, look, brother. You're the problem. I said, I'm the problem. I'm, you're a bigger problem to you than the devil is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The devil is a problem, yeah. but you're a bigger problem to you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. The devil, he's a problem, but you're a, you're a problem. Jesus died at Calvary to eliminate you from being the problem. And only when he delivers you unto death and you allow him to do that through your faith, you experience the death of Jesus, that is self being denied and the cross being taken up. Amen. Amen. Your marriage can be a good marriage. Yeah. Amen. I didn't say perfect, but I said it can be good. Yeah. You can't just say, well, I asked Jesus to help me. And I say, yeah, well, yeah, it's been 40 years. Well, how come you still like you are? You know what I mean? The way he comes into the marriage is by way of your faith in where God's always delivering you, always trying you to see if you will keep accepting what he did to save you at first. Because the cross is still your answer to eliminate you from being the problem that you are at times. Amen. And I know all about me being the problem. Amen. My wife said her too. You are your problem. As long as we're blaming everybody else, all this political mess out there, it is a problem. But it ain't my problem. I'm my problem. And the cross is God's answer for me in all things. It's 12 o'clock. I got to quit. That's when the bell goes off. But I encourage you. I encourage you. Don't take just what I've said and don't look down on me by the way I've presented it because the power is not in presentation. It's in what's written. Amen. The power is not in presentation. The power is in the gospel. It's not located anywhere else. The power is in the death of Jesus. 
the life, the love, the joy, the peace, everything the Holy Spirit is going to work through you, he's not going to do it unless he's able to deliver you and you accept where he's delivering you to the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus that flows out of that death can be expressed through you to others. And I'll leave the rest of this teaching to your pastor. Because it really gets good after this when it starts talking about this is the spirit of faith. This is the spirit of faith. Hallelujah. Would you stand?